Louis, what do you think? I think that Backland Studio is a vibe. The phone game is is really strong. It's good like, foam, really, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot going on here. A lot of different colors and the sound compression is, wow. I mean, I mean you, th- you can literally access Narnia through that foam. <laughs> yes, yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Sunday morning as well. How are we feeling about being in on a Sunday morning? Yeah, everyone seems on a Sunday just really relaxed. You know, it's just uh, yeah. it's time to just chill. And yeah, just... yeah. How are you feeling, Chris? You feeling relaxed? I feel quite tired, but then I'm ancient, so... How old are you? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm not going to tell you now. Oh! No, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, yeah. You're younger than me though, Chris. I'm surely. not being funny, but I'm all I'm going to say it's my 21st birthday next week. So That's what I'm saying. You know, you know what I mean? Back in the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was alive, the Magna Carta was the best read ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there and welcome to Right Club Open Mic. Um, with me, Mark Grist, uh, your host, and Chris Barn in the studio. Hello. There we go, there's Chris. Uh, we're super excited to have you here today. This is a podcast celebrating new writing. We believe that all of us have the capacity to write something really interesting and worth listening to. And Chris and I just love hearing new work and thinking about it and seeing what it helps us explore within our own writing. Um, thank you so much to everyone who's emailed us over the course of this series. This episode is like a super exciting one um, because we're focusing only on work that has been sent in by writers who are under the age of 18, roughly, maybe they're 19 now, but um, we've got quite a range. We've got all work from younger writers and we've got a bunch of pieces today. We've got like eight pieces from young people all around the world that we're going to have a listen to. And we're going to explore, so strap in. Um, first off, before we go any further, we need to introduce our special guest who's in the studio with us today. Uh, it is Louis Jaffa. So, Louis, I'll let you introduce yourself. Go for Okay, it. cool. I'm Louis, and I'm an actor, writer, director, producer, content creator, self-proclaimed Chris Baholic, now podcaster, what's going on? <laughs> I fill many shoes, and I feel like I'm still kind of navigating my way through this crazy industry that we're in. Um, by day, I work in the digital marketing team in the West End, and by night... I mean, I'm everything. I just want to be like Phoebe Waller-Bridge well, and Donald Glover, you know? What, by night, why? I by think, by, I night, think I'm, like by night, I am Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I am Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but your your heart is really with theatre, right? And you love I love theatre, man. Like, just the liveliness, seeing people's reactions, actually putting down your phone, having to pay attention. Although, that said, like, I go to so many shows where people are just, they've got their phones out and they're, like, taking phones, like, man, just, like, chill. Everyone just, like, get your phones away and you don't need to. Relax. So how old are you, Louis? I'm now 24 years old. Ancient. Oh, that um, is pretty bad. <laughs> is <it> ancient, Chris? <laughs> Absolutely ancient. <laughs> the reason we've got you here, Louis, yes. if I'm honest, is because Chris and I are old now. Like, we're officially old. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been told by a lot of kids in schools that I am, like, super old. Like, I tell them that I'm 41 and they're just like, what? Like, it's mind-blowing. Chris, I yeah. don't know exactly how old Chris is. I'm older than you, for no, sure. No, really? Yeah, definitely, yeah, 100%. Man. No! Yeah, man. Really? Yeah, man. <laughs> Do you know what? Your bread-based diet has done wonders for your complexion. I'm not going to say it's the yeast. What's been the best year for you, Louis? What's been the, What's best, been the best year of my year? life? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. Um, you know what? I don't know. That's that's like saying like, what's your favourite song or what's your favourite artist? I, I think... thought I thought I thought ten was pretty good. Ten. What happened at ten, Mark? Oh, oldest. You're like oldest in primary school. Yeah. 
You can kind of do what you want a little bit. It's exciting because you're going to go to secondary school yeah. soon. Okay, I'm going to go to five because five, I remember very distinctly um, the part, my birthday party for five years old. It was the first time I'd ever seen like balloons and magic tricks and the kind of, you know, traditional um, magician coming yeah, around. Yeah, that was yeah. that was an impressive year. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I remember when I was four years old, it's funny you mentioned balloons. I woke up one morning, it was my birthday, yeah. and my parents put a balloon like on the bed or something for my birthday. Right. And I but I woke up with the balloon next to me in 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 under the sheets and I was only 4 oh, no. and I believed I w- I was absolutely certain I'd made the balloon. <laughs> like I didn't know I was like I'd, I'd laid a balloon. Yeah. So I spent about 40 minutes I didn't come out of be- the bedroom because I was trying to work out how to make <laughs> make another balloon. I was like I must have my eyes closed. How can I get another balloon to appear? Yeah, uh, so there. Four was a good age. Four was a good age. You know what? Four like, was I, a good age. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. We're going what down, was yours? Chris. We're going Chris, down. what's your best age? Uh, best age? I would probably say about now, you know, when he's 28 years old. You ain't 28. <laughs> but Louis, yeah. you were saying to me yesterday that 21 was not a great one. 21 is supposed to be this pinnacle year when everyone talks about the birthday party or the celebrations. Yeah. 21 for me was, yeah, university's been cancelled, you're not going to your study abroad, you're ending up staying with your parents for two and a bit years at home online studying. So 21, this hyped up year for many years, it just became something like, yeah, it was... uh Pretty bad, pretty uh, overrated, not bad, overrated. And this is all because of COVID, right? This is because of COVID, yeah. Yeah, I think we we don't we don't talk about we don't talk about COVID much anyway. But no, I think no, it's no. been it has been a particularly challenging experience for young people, and I think sometimes adults. We but don't... it's also been a highlight because we're in the same room right now, three <laughs> three plus years later. Oh having... yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Louis <laughs> part of the online right club, right? So yeah. we're actually finally getting to meet each other. It's That's very cool. strange. Can you the viewers out there? I'm not sure if you can imagine this, but if you know someone who you've met twice a week online for. It was meant to be eight weeks and it ends up being three plus years and then suddenly meeting a person in real life who you know very well because you've met them twice a week online for, you know, three plus years. But then you meet them in person. It's just like, this is, again, something that's not meant to happen. But seeing in person and being like, you are not a 2D person, Mark. You're a 3D real life with a beating heart. Like, it's, it's a bit mad. In the last episode, I talked about Louis's energy. I like Louis's energy; it's good, um, and he's he's brought it straight away. I don't know how we describe this energy. It's chaotic. <laughs> it's it's just it's all over the place. Really. Um, so we all got to see Louis going through university and dealing yeah. with the frustrations of you know like online learning mm. whilst you're supposed to be having your freshers parties and yeah. uh, and and everything else. Um, but you worked really hard, Louis. Like over those three years, it was so clear how hard you were working. I think I was working. I think I was working hard because honestly in that time there really wasn't much else to do and so you focus your efforts on the things that are consistent and that are happening in your in your week and that was lectures online seminars online mm. i studied theater and theater basically became film studies because you had to learn how to edit use software none of this mm. stuff before that you um would have had to in a normal situation louis you now um you've been a member of the national youth theater right and you now run their social media so yeah i've um i became a member of national youth theater last uh, summer after i graduated and I became a member through the Epic Stages course, which was great. And then I saw this ad of like, do you want to um, become a, a social media, like a content creator for MIT? And I, I basically just put in an application and then I'm one of the 10 content creators for National <laughs> Youth Theatre, which has been amazing. Well, um, what we've got today for you guys, and I'm super excited about this, we've got eight 
separate pieces that have been sent in by young writers. And we're going to play each of those pieces today on the episode. It's lovely. A lot of these young writers have given us great introductions to the pieces as well. There's some pretty big stuff in today's episode. There is. Um, at, oh, and the theme, uh, Chris, Back to the Future. In yeah. a world where aliens are taking over Backland Studios. Great. One man. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some of these pieces are, are going to be from the UK. Some are going to be from overseas. Shall we listen to our first piece? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So this piece <laughs> is from a young writer. Her name is Sua. Um, I met Sua uh, in Beijing. And she would write a lot of prose. And from listening to me reading my poems, she decided she wanted to work on a poem eventually. Hello, my name is Sua and I'm a South Korean student. I know this may be a controversial topic, but the poem I wrote is called From Apple to Tree, based on the saying that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I wrote it in the perspective of the apple and its feeling towards the tree, its origins, because I found it confusing how no one ever asked the apple how they felt. I hope a lot of youth relate to the overall theme, which is to simply tell people that you are not stuck and you can be whoever you are, regardless of what tree you come from. I think it's important to know that although the poem has a cynical undertone, it still tries to talk about an important idea that you can escape from your upbringings and become a better person. Thank you. So um, here's Sue's piece from Apple to Tree. They say apples don't fall from the tree very far. If that was true, I'd be smooth without scars. With what things I do, I'd feel no remorse. My fruit, just like trunks, would be sandpaper coarse. If I were reborn, then I'd be a peach. Pink blossom, so pretty, but so out of reach. The peach tree would teach words that would be like preach. And I wouldn't think of myself as a leech, but a fruit. Or maybe a lemon tree's good, since it doesn't hide the acid in your wood. It's pleasant, sure is, the unpeeled yellow. But what's inside will hardly be mellow. But apples, God, they crush easily. Left out too long, they turn brown queasily. And they taste good, sure, until the seed shows. I didn't want poison, but how you dispose of your own cyanide rooted deep in the bark? Do apples grow brown because you're just as dark? I can't help but think you've branded me well. Externally, for quite a lot, I would say myself except i can't do that to others pain is passed on it chokes and it smothers the apple doesn't fall far but of all as far as i can i must get away whole and peaches cherries bananas and pears behold look at me the apple declares i got away free won't you agree and all i gave up was my dignity but lo behold my flesh has gone mold the effort i spent it took till age old what can i say but old habits die hard though it's not mine but the tree in the yards and that's why my dear i don't want to be you i don't want to think about me who you grew in fact if i could i would forget about you and fear that i'd end up becoming you too so here is my lesson straight from the Rotten trees bear rotten fruits you abhor, but it's not the fault of the fruits they're attacked. In fact, the root of the problem is solved as a quick, neat fix with an axe. That was really good. That was really good, and I never really, I never thought about that from the like. What's what is it like from the POV of the apple from the tree? How does one even think about that kind of stuff? It's. Yeah, it's a cool concept. And I think it's really well structured and written. This is like the first poem I think she's written. Really? really? Yeah. To have that rhythm and rhyme being that strong, it's got a real kind of Dr. Seussy kind of like lock-in vibe to it. Um, The message is strong and 
clear and like it's a, an original concept right it's I've never heard concept. someone do something like that no it's brilliant I really I really enjoyed it so well done sir that was fantastic yeah yeah I Perfect. think it should be animated I think it's really cool oh yeah and guys here's the thing that's the standard we're looking at today I think there's a suggestion sometimes from adult writers that maybe young people the writing isn't as as good almost yeah and the thing that I find so funny is like when I deliver workshops for adults I, I, I forget sometimes uh, how intimidating it can be to, to sit and write something in a workshop yeah. because I work with young people so much and it's completely the norm to mm. say to someone who's 14 years old, 12 yeah. years old, whatever, yeah. okay, sit down, we're going to write for 10 minutes, we're going to share what we've written. Exactly. Like, that's terrifying for adults, the concept of doing that, but that's what happens all the time in schools. And it's very young. strange, isn't it? Because I think we become more receptive. We overthink. I think that's, that's a big part of it, is we overthink about what the end goal is going to be. But, you know, if you just go with the flow and write the content, then it's just there. Yeah, and I think you can feel with Sue's piece that she's really put the work in. So yeah, this next piece is also from a young writer from Beijing. This is a piece by Herim. This piece um, is prose, which I'm so excited about because yeah. this whole series, we've been getting a lot of poetry. There's a friend of mine, Mark Harrison, if he's mm. listening right now, mm. he regularly emails me and goes, just call it a poetry podcast, Mark. It's constantly poems. Um, <laughs> you know, so this piece is prose which is this very intense love story, um, but it's kind of a bit wrong. There's a kind of almost like stalker vibes to this um, piano teacher. And um, and yeah, I, I think the descriptive writing, this is really, really exciting. Here she is with her piece. Clara part two, the wrong way of love. Who would have been there to love one's tutor's wife? Clara, everything was so perfect about her. She was clearly different from me and my model life. I could only watch her tie up her exquisite blonde hair swirling and dancing up and down in the wind, only listen to her sing along to my tutor's melodic piano piece, only smell her own unique fragrance that was surrounding her from head to toe, and touch her soft, angelic hand when we shook her hands. Her eyes were blue as the Atlantic, her eyebrows dark and neatly organized, and her nose was so perfectly placed that it seemed as if somebody measured the ratio from her forehead through the tip of her nose and to the chin. The tiny waist never failed to tempt me to hug her and sew it the long and thin neck to make me put a nice necklace on her. What I imagined hurt me more and the name Clara always dwelled in my brain. C-L-A-R-A with B-A, C-B-A, G-sharp A was all I could think of other times when I deluded myself with her. The piece with C-B-A, G-sharp A put me in the corner of suicide, but I would think of her again and that chance would slowly submerge my heart for a while. But I knew that one day, I would lose myself and do something. Something that I would do in my unconsciousness, buried deep down in my greatest desires, under the abyssal iceberg that even I did not know existed. That day started off as normal as any other day. Clara welcomed me with a cup of tea and told me that Shima would be a bit late because of his tutoring with this other student. I sat down in the couch with her and the closeness between us, which I found myself a bit anxious about from the fact that she could hear my heart thumping vigorously inside, made me hear her breath in the tranquil background, the orange sun shining on her through the window, standing out her beauty even more. Have you been practicing? She asked, as if she felt my gaze. Yes, of course. It was a hard piece, though. An awkward silence continued after I made my reply. Her eyes fixed on a cup of tea she made, and she slowly opened her mouth. You know, this is really random, and I don't want you to take it seriously. I think I don't love him anymore. 
I put my head up instantly and looked at her. She made a small laugh that didn't feel like it came from pure happiness, but rather pretended to laugh it out of frustration. It's not that I hate him and I want a divorce tomorrow. I, I'm just a bit tired of this one-way love. He's pretty much outside two-thirds of the day and I know he's not hanging around out there doing nothing. I know he's working and it's his job, but still... I'm married to a supportive man who loves me more than anyone, but I can't help myself from feeling lonely and trying to love him the same way I did when we walked down the aisle. When she started blurting out how she, how she has been feeling for the past few months, it didn't take long for my deep desires to take me over. While well, one side of the brain cried, This is the chance to possess her. You've been craving to take her away from Shuma. Stop denying this. The other wailed, can you see her turning insane? It's your job for them to recover their relationship. She told you this because she could trust you sincerely. But is it really my job? What did I do? Clara, why don't you come with me to my house? I'll make you feel connected with people. And I guarantee there will be no more loneliness for you. Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much. Harem, that was probably our first real dive into playing um, some pretty densely written prose on this podcast. I think so. I don't know how you felt listening to it, but I think it's really exciting. And I just think the characterization of the narrator yeah. is like fantastic. Seems quite creepy and very intense. Mm. Um, and I love the kind of focus on the the keys and the music. But yeah, I just like how rich it is. Definitely. I think hearing prose is a different experience. And in this case, I think the imagery really shone through. I mean, her eyes were blue as the Atlantic. Suddenly you're transported um, outside. And I think, you know, it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. So this is a piece by G in South Korea. This is all about evil. This mm. piece is about evil. Evil. And, and, and um, <laughs> so Chris has suggested that maybe one of these pieces we could try and play about with some, was it sound concrete? Yes, yeah, concrete, music concrete. Music concrete. Yeah, yeah. And put in a bit of a soundscape. And I think the piece that would do the best with a bit of, uh, with a bit of soundscaping mm. is this piece by G. Hi, I'm G from Seoul, South Korea, and I prefer to write prose, so that's what I'll be sharing today. This piece is about the pervasion of evil and it's not about a sort of evil that's really specific or intimate to me. So as I read it, feel free to envision the sort of evil that you feel would be most fitting with the lyrics. I decided to write this piece as it's one of the themes that really got me into writing in the first place. So it's a little like my personal token of gratitude for whatever introduced me to the craft. It begins quite daintily. A grain, a morsel, a speckle, perhaps even a mirror of the world's design. A charming little dot that is coveted. It is replete with a furtive malice, but man is unaware. Man fortifies it subconscious. Man thinks and covets it precious. Time waltzes through, intercepting and obscuring our landscape. Our intimate setting is no longer intimate. For the spot is no longer a splatter of silverish paint, but it's a grim tapestry of inky jet coaly black. It's a salient pervasion, intensely opaque and with an evident presence. It even yields a shadow. The shadow is stabbed fervently, with tendrils that flee here and there, and an irregular rhythm of music producing a satanic melody which shrieks as if tormented by this whirlwind of chalky darkness, or the eye of a tornado. Light is massacred with malice, expiring with cacophonous exhalation. But the shrieks are muffled, and the light was and will never be visible. 
The tendrils are koi sly figures, which cannot be identified by man anyways. Shadow duplicates with a rapidity and acuity unprecedented by the host, evading its powerful presence to reign over the host in a condescending, sticky, dense, ghastly domination. The even Darius will shudder from Persia. Inundated with darkness are we, and so are you now. What a setting to begin with. Oh, thank you very much. Gee. Good work on the soundscape there, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. That was dark. That was evil. <laughs> like proper evil. Yeah. Gosh. Intense. Very rich. A lot of time was really spent on those kind of yeah. descriptions. I like the talking about a satanic melody. I'm not sure what that sounds like, but I can feel with the landscape that it's evil. <laughs> yeah, it was nicely delivered, that line as well. I think you did a really, really good job. Yeah. Okay. So the next piece we're going to share with you guys is a piece I'm going to read out. Um, it's one of those pieces that we've got in text form. Um, this is from another student from South Korea. This is from a student called Shingle. Um, and uh, this is based upon an exercise um, that I ran. If you want to have a go at writing something, um, why not? You could try this exercise yourselves. Go for it. Um, so what we did with this uh, is, uh, if you want to grab a pen and a piece of paper, the title for this piece is How to Blank a Blank. That's the title. How to Blank a Blank. And the idea is to spend uh, 30 seconds or a minute thinking about what you would put in those two blanks. You can have all sorts of different types of poem like how to win a race right it could be that how to drop a pizza how to crack an egg how to barbie an oppenheimer um you know how to um ruin a date how to butter your that's my favorite how to really obliterate a date so look if you want to challenge for yourself today um maybe have a go at working out what that concept is if you write a piece that is how to blank a blank and you send it in to us at words at rightclubopenmic.com. We would love to hear it and love to play it. Uh, now, this piece I'm going to read to you is one of my favourite pieces that came out of this workshop over the last year um, with different students. Um, this is by Shingle, and the piece is How to Kill a Daughter. Um, the poem goes like this. How to Kill a Daughter. First, you take her voice. Why would she ever need that? Then you take her mind, for curiosity killed the cat. Then move on to her spirit. Take the spark so it will never burn. Finally, you have her soul. Keep it locked away so she'll never learn. How great it could have been to live out her youth. Make sure she never knows. Why would she deserve the truth? That's strong. Oh, that's <laughs> strong. I mean, first you take her voice. I feel my breath being taken away like a dementor when I hear that line. Yeah. Yeah, it's only um, 12 lines of poetry, um, but it's uh, it's long enough, you know, to say everything it needs to say. If Shingle's work has inspired you, have a go at your own how to blank a blank. This next piece is from a young writer called Curtis. Curtis is based in Huddersfield here in the UK. This poem is called Heartbeat, and it's about how the intensity of, of school uh, and that routine and, and having perhaps the world a bit more opened up for you as you're going to university and finding yourself. I'm Curtis Lowe, and this is Heartbeat. 
I used to be mundane, void of joy, yet void of pain. A place of comfort in simplicity and isolation, each day on repeat a living. Wake up, cook, study alone, having nobody to talk on my phone. A mouthful of words remain silent, lips sealed, remaining quiet. Food was stale, face turned pale, drinks were cheap, fast-forwarding myself into the next week. Before I knew it, the cycle broke, scrambling around, wondering how could I cope. Without my old routine, what would happen to me? Never been exposed to this feeling of safety, security, calmness, healing. One second and I'm hooked chasing this. I'm not sure what this is, but it's a chance at a new life that I cannot miss. Wake up by my side, surrounded by the joy you provide. I need more. I need more. There's no way I'll go back to how it was before. I used to be mundane, void of joy, yet void of pain. I am alive for my heart beats. I've been revived. Thanks, Curtis. Um, that was really... Yeah, it was really good. Really like that. Yeah, upbeat, you know? Like, it kind of gave me a bit of hope. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and very moving. It was very moving, and I think being able to describe it so vividly... To be able to be receptive to what you're experiencing. You know, I really hope, if you're listening right now, um, that writer, I really hope you carry on um, with your exploration of life Please writing. Do. And it's really engaging. So, Louis, um, I wanted reacts. to ask you a bit. F's in the chat. Because, <laughs> um, you know, Chris and I are a bit older and we work within the arts. Whatever. Um, what is it like being younger and working within the arts? Because it seems to me sometimes that maybe we... I wouldn't say ex maybe exploit young people, but I think we assume that young people can work harder for less. Um, is that something that feels true? You know, it's a big question. What is it like to be in the arts right now? I think for young people, it's incredibly difficult. It's an incredibly stressful time with cost of living and lack of funding, lack of budgets for lots of things. I also think that there is no one path, as we know. This is a non-linear industry. And I only learned that when I graduated from university and joined NYT. And that was my first insight into, okay, this is what I'm getting involved with. What does it look like? What's the landscape? How do you access it? I think it's an incredibly tough time. I've got a lot of friends who they've literally graduated or they finished drama school. And they've actually given up before they even started because... The landscape is is stressful. It's um, it's not it's not positive it, it, for mental health. I think, as you say, and it's true, um, we are somewhat exploited. And, and a lot of the time in the arts, people will just see you as being young and not experienced. The biggest advice for any young people out there, um, if you are in the arts or if you want to career in the arts, is firstly to really surround yourself with good people, people who can listen to you, people who are positive, who will. Um, be by your side and back you no matter what. And I say that when you're having a stressful day, understanding, just listening, being empathetic. And the second thing is dealing with rejection. If you're a freelancer in the art at a young point, you're going to be dealing with rejection left, right and centre all the time. And you mustn't take it to heart because it's nothing personal. It's a, it's a subjective thing. Everything's subjective about this industry. Mm. That's really interesting. I've run away from any situation where I can get rejections as I've got older. For me, the thought of entering a slam, right, a competitive mm. poetry competition, oh, I just couldn't put myself through it. I, I don't really send submissions off anymore. The thought of the amount of... I mean, you've got an audition this afternoon, right? Yeah, I've got an audition. The thing is, um, and this is something I think we chatted about yesterday briefly, was that when... 
In this industry, it's sometimes very difficult to take your foot off the gas. And by that, I mean, if you're not doing something, you feel like you're not doing something. And that leads on to negativity and all this stuff. But actually, you need to take care of your mental health. You need to step back. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I would say I'm not good at this in some respects because um, I work around the clock. Once I finish work in the day, I'm doing freelance stuff. You're a afterwards. machine, Louis. I'm a bit of a workaholic, but I actually love what I'm doing. But at the same time, it's really difficult for a young person to step back because it's such a chaotic and never stopping machine. The yeah, industry yeah. is this, like, it's a conglomerate. It's a cacophony. Do you feel that the industry broadcasts to you sometimes that you're very expendable and replaceable uh, when you're young? Yeah, 100. Because, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of people who will take up your um, spot in an instance. You know, you're you're literally one of many. And the only way to really... I mean, I can't say this because I've only just started, but I feel like the only way to kind of build up your credentials is just through experience. The Cash 22 is that you need to have experience to be in the room, but being in the room allows you to have that experience. And if you're young, you are really in that limbo. And I would say in terms of opportunities, it's certainly dwindling. I've had friends come down from Scotland, they've lived in London, and then um, maybe six months later, they go back to Scotland because they realise it's not it's not happening. It's not occurring. Are there any organisations or groups that you've found have been really supportive or helpful for young people? Yeah, um, well, you know, I'm, I feel very privileged in that I'm, I'm a part of National Youth Theatre um, and they've done a lot for me in the sense of giving me lots of eye-opening experiences going into cool. uh, non-mainstream schools, teaching drama clubs. Um I would say 100% the Almeida. I was very fortunate in that I was a, a young producer on the most recent uh, for free Romeo and Juliet festival uh, directed by Rebecca Frecknell. Um, and any kind of, if you go to your local theatre, any local theatre, um, inquire about their young person schemes. See what they have on offer. See what they're doing for their local community. Um, I guarantee you most of the time there will be some form of uh, participation programme but there are organizations that are doing they're doing so like they're doing amazing stuff for young people like the monobox um go live projects these are ones that actually are giving discounted tickets to young people going in groups creating a community from from scratch yeah yeah i think i've learned a lot about how powerful community is that's the only reason we're yeah we're, we know each other because exactly. of our online right club community yeah. and it is about getting that that group of people around you that that have got your back because um, it's tough. It's a tough, tough space. Um, if also you're listening to this and you're a young person interested in accessing funding, by all means, go back and listen to our episode, I think, five, Show Me the Money. Um, we talk about the Develop Your Creative Practice grant, and that is a grant that's available that anyone can apply to help them develop their their writing separately. And feel free to email us. We'll, we'll always try and get back to you at words at rightclubopenmic.com um, with any suggestions or contacts or support we can. Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts, Louis. Um, the next piece of writing from a young writer is a monologue. Um, and it's from Scotland. You said you were, went to uni in, in I Scotland. I did. Right? University of Glasgow, shout out. Um, yeah, so um, we put out a shout out on National Youth Theatre social media. Um, we had an overwhelming number of responses. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to everyone who um, applied and submitted. I really appreciate it. Like, it's just amazing to see how much content young people are generating, putting their passion into their project time. So thank you so much. Um, Cara Savin, this is amazing. Uh, I don't, have we had a Scottish um, submission on... 
on Right Club yet. I don't think we've had someone with such a distinctly Scottish accent on Maybe Right not. Club. Maybe not. And so that's really nice. But the writing yeah. of this is fantastic. And it kind of ties in a little bit to maybe some of the feelings that we can feel as artists. 100%. Um, trying to navigate this scene. Um, so, yeah, it really spoke to us. Um, that loads of great pieces got sent in. But I think we, uh, we both agreed that Cara definitely deserved the slot. Here's her piece. So this is a monologue which centres around the feeling of being trapped and stuck in a vicious cycle, something like a maze of stagnancy and being either too arrogant or too blindsided, however you want to interpret that, to admit the truth to yourself, the truth being what you're doing and how that's impacting the outcome. Um, so yeah. Here it goes. I really do not like to be in my comfort zone. Boxed in like a rat that can smell the pungence of the cheese, but who's just quite content with its smell. The gratification of it, especially when it is simply a wall away from the source. It can smell it, yet laziness overtakes and leaves it stuck doing the same old rounds day in, day out. Occasionally, the path changes. It takes a wrong turn. But when things start to become too slippery and too uncertain, it backtracks. It scurries like a cartoon caricature of itself that he himself has mocked frequently for its cowardice and erraticness. If only it had the self-awareness and sufficient accountability to remove the rose-tinted glasses and look, really see itself for what it is. Nice, uh, really, uh, really well put together. That I thought that was um, a great monologue. Thank you so much, Cara. Yeah, it was great. Um, Mark, have you ever caught a mouse before? Have I ever caught a mouse? Yeah, have you caught a mouse? Uh, I mean, manually, not not a trap. <laughs> manually, have you? Is this? Have you... Yeah. So in Glasgow, actually in Scotland, they, there were lots of rats and mice in in the flat. So when in my second year, um, I got the keys. I entered for the first time, and three mice are on the floor. So what do I do? I put a chair in the middle of the kitchen. I crouch on it, stealth mode, with a saucepan in my hand, and I throw the saucepan at the mouse, and the, it catches the mouse underneath it. It's still squeaking. It's still underneath. It's all fine. But then I get my paper, put it underneath, and carry them in individually outside the front door down the steps of the flat and all these people thinking what's he doing and i think people saw me on the streets just letting a mice go like a mouse go down the street you know but won't it just come back no no because it was two flight like two flights down but still just like stealth mode for the first i don't know hour of the, of yeah. the time in this new flat was on a you know in the kitchen trying to catch mice we had a mouse where we lived a long long time ago and we did catch it and we drove it we drove it about five miles away. Okay. We I think we'd read something about They somewhere. do come back. They follow their way back. Yeah. yeah, they follow their way back. We drove out. We found a very nice... We had a big B &B. discussion. We found a really nice... It was like nice river, like, you know, lots of straw. We Wait, drove you drove five miles with a mouse. With a mouse. Wow. I've never heard that before. Do you know what? This is a... I mean, we live you in the must, country. You right? live in the country, Chris. Yeah, man, this, we got mice all the time, literally all the time. They're all right. They're just knocking about, having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're out there, find your local uh, mice Airbnb. I'm sure. I just yeah, I just take them to the pub. You know, make sure they're looked after. Oh yeah. Come for the uh, for the the quality writing from young people. Stay for the uh, 
the, the mice tales. Rodent tree. The, ro- the <laughs> rodent. rodent. <laughs> Wicked. This is from uh, Jocelyn. It's, it's a profound piece, and I think it really deserves your attention. Here's Jocelyn. Hi, my name is Jocelyn and I'm from Canada, but I'm currently residing in China. And today I wanted to share my writing with you. And this piece is something that I composed a couple of months ago. Um, I recently salvaged it through my archive of forgotten works and decided to share it with the podcast. It's nothing especially great, but the focus of my writing was just to focus on the simplicity and beauty of everyday language as well as the many pessimistic thoughts I had as a child that I wasn't able to voice out due to always being told to look on the bright side. I'm not too sure what it is, but it certainly is something. Here, let me read it to you, and I hope it makes a little more sense. We are all trapped inside an endless cycle, constantly yelling about how we don't have time, or later, tomorrow, maybe I can schedule you in for next week or the week after that. But what are we fighting so hard for? Isn't it all just going to end? Some might say we're working for a better life, or I'm saving money to buy that new car I've always wanted, or to propose to my girlfriend. The list of reasons for wanting valuable treasures are never ending. We're like hamsters running on a wheel of time, trying to get somewhere, but going nowhere, staying exactly where we were. And by the time our clock has stopped ticking, everything we've ever worked for, all of our blood, sweat, and tears, everything is going to be gone. Nothing is going to matter. Absolutely nothing. We all struggle to find our differences, to find our purpose, to find who we're meant for, what we want to do, what we're supposed to do. Always being told to do this, be that, avoid this, make that happen, and on and on and on. Working every single day like ants in a colony, while time is just slowly dripping away, silently, like molten gold. We're all going to be a part of ashes, or a rotting corpse, or just decompose someday. So why are we trying so hard? It's nothing but a vicious cycle of seeking a better life, getting pleasure, and then repeating the process again and again. Thank you for listening. It's, it's so true. true. Justin, I feel like you just applied multiple gut punches to us in the studio <laughs> yeah. as we're just hearing it. Um, That's literally like a dookie into my face, that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, vicious cycle. I mean, a young person talking about the vicious cycle in life, does that that tells you about life? Like, that just informs yeah, it, you about well, realities. I, this frustration and this lack of hope, actually, within, you know, uh, within, within the piece. Mm. It makes a very good case for having a, no hope. That piece, I I, I kind of get the connotation, but I think yeah. the way that it is, for me, is that, I mean, why worry? It's already going to happen. It's going to be pretty horrendous a lot of the time. You're going to have to keep on bouncing back. So yeah. why bother worrying about it? Yeah, I've, defi- I've written poems in the past about how we kind of, uh, often we're just finding ways to to kind of waste time mm. until the end, right? Like it was just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't, I, I think I've ever, I managed to write it in such a, yeah. such an accurate and painful <laughs> way as Jocelyn's like put yeah. it out. Um, it, Jocelyn's fantastic. It was really quite something. And also saying trying to get somewhere, but going nowhere. There is, um, you know, as we talked about before, there is this thing about we need to go from A to B and then we go from B, we go from A to B again and again. We tick boxes, keep ticking, but like, where's that going? I think as we talk about, it's about the journey and the life experiences, the memories you make, the friends, the relationships, everything. So I think whilst it is a bleak piece, we can see the positive in it. We can see 
some shimmer of hope. If you think about what's being said, you can make it hopeful. Yeah. Well, do you know what? And guys, we have got one more piece left. Thank yeah. you so much to every young person that sent Thank work you. in. The way our writers have, have, have dived in um, to the work and uh, made themselves vulnerable, have pushed themselves, have really tackled huge topics, um, has made this episode one of my favourite to, to to work on so far, I think. This last piece um, is from a local writer to Peterborough. Uh, her name is Eva Woods. I know we're at the point where we've had some pieces that are quite bleak or yeah. um, are dealing with some kind of more negative experiences of life. Eva, I think, is a great one to go out on. Here's Eva. My name's Eva Woods, and I'm an 18-year-old poet, podcaster, and member of Youth Parliament from Peterborough. I call this piece Anthem for Apathetic Youth and it was written about a year ago. It's a reflection on those moments where you're reading the news or hearing someone's story or battling your own problems and you're just hit by this existential hopelessness. And in that moment when you're feeling the weight of everything that's wrong with the world, you just ask yourself, why you bother fighting it? This is like a recalibration mantra for those moments of hopelessness. I sometimes ask myself a question. What's the point? When your morning news is satirical, hazing out humanity with more doctored statistics. Why should we keep working when living wage is a luxury, when you are a commodity, the moment that you realise the faceless men are well aware they're constantly exploiting you and they still do nothing? How can you keep listening when figures screech your future's hopeless? Systems that weren't built for you reply when you dare question them. Good, that means it's working. Our education system's broken. How dare they equate hunger and ambition? The glossy demons circle, green and grinning, an absent-minded gamble. Our lives spread on the table like currency. Sometimes when I listen to them, I feel sick. Lethargic, pounding, groaning red as my jaw tightens, swallowing like waves. Numbing, understanding nothing, it claws command of my body until I just can't be bothered. Apathy. <laughs> and they tell us we'll fix it all, the youth. So I'm sitting here, my laptop open, wondering why I should keep going. We're not like prophets, isolated in our tasks and unrequested knowledge. Those around us fuel us. So many must have felt like this before and like their legacy, we will endure. Super strong. Yeah, Eva, that's such a beautiful piece. There's like grit and determination in there. There's humility. There's like a desire to learn and improve things. There's also an acknowledgement that we're not handing on the greatest opportunities to young people. It kind of frustrates me how um, we kind of portray younger people as being somehow softer or unable to kind of like deal with the, the harsh realities of of life and um yeah i think for me either that piece is a great antidote to that kind of thought and i would challenge anyone to hear that and and not feel like a little bit inspired yeah right? yeah i think take a step forwards you know look forward stay in the present don't look back and just keep going i've been in the same position myself i've been in bands i've been in situations where it was lots of stuff that didn't work out it's impossible not to do what you love you're still going to keep on doing it and it's that tenacity that 
that helps drive it forward more than anything else, I think. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're known as the language animal. I mean, yeah. it's intrinsic in our nature that we go and we create these, you know, wonderful pieces of art um, yeah. using language. It's amazing. Yeah, I think we've got a lot to think about and chew on from this one. So thank you for listening um, uh, and joining us for this. Thank you, everyone who sent work in. Thank you, Louis. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, for, for coming and joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me, Mark. <laughs> uh, it's been really cool. And if anything you've heard today has inspired you to write something, get it down. Why not have a go at that how to blank a blank piece, if nothing else? Anything you write, if you record your audio of that piece and send it to words at writeclubopenmic.com, um, uh, we will definitely try to feature it if we can. We are getting a lot of submissions at the moment yeah. and we only have one episode left what? Um, that no. we're taking submissions for, which is um, how fast do you want to go? Um, so any poetry about being fast or slow or anything that explores any aspect of that, we're particularly interested in. But to be honest, we're at this stage now where if it's kind of cool and interesting and a bit yeah. weird, we're probably going to put it in um, because it's our last chance to and do that. Absolutely. And I hear Chris is going to do a rendition of Eminem's Rap God in that episode. So Man, I've already <laughs> put it together. Oh, amazing, Chris. I was yeah. hoping. Um, I was like a dog going down on hot chips. Bap God. That's what it should be Bap called. Bap God. I, I, I love that. Um, guys, if you want to send us work, please send it to words at rightclubopenmic.com. And as we're heading towards the end of the series, just to say, if you want to send us some feedback, we would love to include yep. that in our evaluation to the Arts Council England or read it out as well. So if you want to leave a five-star review on iTunes, and that's really helpful. Subscribe at all or just send us in an email um, some positive feedback. If you didn't enjoy the series... Don't um, bother. Don't yeah, bother give it to yourself. That's cool. But if you did enjoy it... <laughs> Send it over because we would love, we've been talking about this, yeah. we would love to do a few little tweaks to this concept and and, and go again for a second year um, if you fancy joining us. Um, thanks for joining us today uh, and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. This episode of Right Club Open Mic was hosted and edited by me, Mark Grist, and Chris Barn at Backland Studios. We had Louis Jaffa in the studio joining us, and we had work sent in from young people all around the world. Thank you for sending your work in. Thanks to Arts Council England for supporting this project with public funding. And thanks so much to you for joining us on this journey. Mm-hmm.